0: will remain standing and turn into the scriptures with me to Psalm 90, 9-0. Before I read the text, let's ask the Holy Spirit, the true teacher, to come and be with us. Almighty God and O Holy Spirit, you, O Spirit, who regenerates our hearts, Brings us out of darkness into light, from a life of deadness in the soul to a life of, of regeneration into eternal life. You inspired the scriptures. You inspired the, the prophets and the apostles. Every word of your scripture is true. Come, O Spirit, and do your work, not only in the preacher, but your people that Jesus might be magnified this day. For we ask in his precious name, amen. <clears throat> Psalm 90, we're gonna concentrate on verses one through 12. A prayer of Moses, <clears throat> the man of God. Lord, that has been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, without its didst give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, thou dost turn man back into dust, and dost say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight, are like yesterday when it passes by, or as I watch in the night, thou hast swept them away like a flood, they fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes, it sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by thy anger and and by thy wrath we have been dismayed. Thou hast placed our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins in the light of thy presence. For all our days have declined in thy fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone, and we fly away. Who understands the power of thine anger and thy fury according to the fear that is due thee? So teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. He may be seated. The title of the message this morning is Living in Light of Eternity. And to introduce this passage of Psalm 90, I want to introduce it with a story from my youth When I was a student at Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, I was 24 years of age when I started seminary. 47 years ago. (laughs) I cannot even begin to think it's been that long. It was just like yesterday. Those 47 years have passed. The seminary, bought houses around it for the use of uh, the male single students. They called them dorms, but they were really houses. They gave them names of the reformers. And it wasn't that far of a walk to the campus. And as I was walking to to go to class one day, carrying my books, the, the ground was sort of tilted like this. And so I was kind of walking like this, you know, carrying the books. And I realized, and there was a, you know, it was a four lane, and I realized, you know, it wouldn't take much for me to just trip and just fall out in the middle of the road and the car hit me and it's all over. And I, I got to thinking, well, I'm only 24. Am I ready? Am I ready to, if that's what the Lord chooses, To go at age 24. I mean, it could, my life could end just like this. So I started thinking more about living in, in light of eternity. And that made an impression. It's always made an impression on me. And so it is paramount for you and I to live our lives in light of eternity. You know, Psalm 91 through 12 is a most wonderful exposition of this great truth, this doctrinal truth. And let me just <clears throat> set forth the, the context in biblical history. If you notice there, that phrase, it's part of the inspired text, by the way, a prayer of Moses, uh, the, the man of God. It was a time, This this is a prayer of Moses, the leader of Israel, and the context is God, is, uh, the people's great unfaithfulness, having come out, being redeemed by God, the Lord destroying Egypt with all those plagues, opens up the Red Sea in, a, in an incredible way. They pass through, he destroys Pharaoh and his entire army. And yet, despite all of this, when they're in the wilderness, they're unfaithful, they're ungrateful. In fact, they anger God greatly because of that. And so the nation in many respects was under judgment. And Moses, as he did several times as a mediator of the Old Testament, he has to rescue the people of God because God's ready to destroy them. And and Moses is praying on behalf of the nation. Now notice what verse 1 says here. It says that God has been our dwelling places in in all generations. Israel had been in Egypt in bondage ever since Jacob moved down there to, to Egypt when his son Joseph, you know, as you know the story, rose to power next to Pharaoh. And Jacob moves his family there because of the famine. And then Israel multiplies greatly. And we see here that they will be there 400 years. And what we understand here is that God's covenant spans all the generations. God never, he never forgets his covenant. And that's something special to take comfort in. And for 400 years, at least, 10 generations, typically 40 years is a generation in the Bible. So 10 generations went by in bondage to Egypt. And yet he says, he's been with us all that time. And when it was the right time, he sent Moses to deliver them. So the, the Lord kept his people together there though they were greatly oppressed and though century after century after century went by, God would raise up Moses and it was time to deliver his people and to send them to the promised land. And he would use Moses to perform his wonders through. Now what we see here in, in verse two is really this, this great biblical doctrine of God's eternity and its implications. As I've said many times in preaching, biblical doctrine is just simply truth. And every doctrine has its application. And we need to understand this. And when we fully understand the doctrine of God's eternity, I'm guaranteeing you, it's gonna change your life. It will change your life. So as, as verse two states here, God is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, when I thought it was intri- interesting because Aubrey Senior just mentioned that back there before we started, I said, well, you know, I'm gonna preach on that. And uh, the idea, when it says that God is from everlasting to everlasting, you know, when, when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, and God told Moses, I'm going to use you to, to be the instrument for deliverance. Moses says, well, who, who am I going to tell them is your name? What is your name that I'm to tell them? And God says, tell them, I am that I am. You know, in the Hebrew construction, it's an interesting construction, means the subject and verb, uh, they God, in other words, let's put it this way God is his own explanation of himself. There is no interpretation of God outside of himself. I am that I am. And that implies in God's eternity, you know, I can think of something, though it can be difficult, perhaps you can too, something that starts and it never ends, it just goes on forever. Okay, my my creaturely mind, okay, I may be able, that's amazing that there will be no end. But as a creature, I cannot comprehend this, that there's no beginning. No, 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 no. Everything has to have a beginning, really. God says, I am that I am. You know, parents. I don't know if your your young children ever uh, had your 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 young child ever say to you this: Uh, your son or daughters come up to you, the father, and says, "Daddy, where did God come from?" Now, that's that's a very you know. Children can have some very profound thoughts, and that's a very profound thought: where did God come from? Now, as profound as that is, the answer really is simple. So the parent, the dad ought to say, well, son or daughter, God didn't come from anywhere. He's always been, and you you can imagine they going, but daddy, everything has a beginning. No, no son or daughter, not God. God's never had a beating. And so son or daughter, that's, why we, that's one of the reasons why we worship him. He is so far beyond us as, as the, the, the creature. We can't even begin to, to grasp the eternity of God. But it's true nonetheless, because God says it. You know, in, in verse three of our text here, it says from all the problems that we face, as mortals in this life, uh, we are to take comfort in God's eternity. Because what does he say here? He, He turns all men back into dust. And we should never forget that. We are mortal creatures and we will, we came from dust, at least when God created man, Adam, he created him from the dust of the earth. And then, as you know, he created uh, Eve from his rib. But to dust you shall go, Ecclesiastes says, back to dust. That is our destiny. That is all of our destinies. Psalm 90 is a passage that for 20 or 30 years now, I have always preached a segment of this passage at every funeral that I have officiated at. I I always bring it up. And just last, uh, just this April, I've told you about uh, my wife had a godly aunt, Helen, one of the most godly women I've ever known. Loved the gospel, love exuded. All her family understood there's no one can love like Helen Warren. All the community understood that about her. And at age 84, about a year or so ago, she had a stroke and she just went downhill and then died several weeks uh, later. Everybody that came over to console the family, they all got COVID (laughs) and they couldn't have the memorial service until everybody recovered. So it wasn't until April, she died in October, it wasn't until April that we had the memorial service. So I'm going there, and <clears throat> it was held at Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. Helen's husband was in the Air Force 10 years earlier. I preached at her husband's funeral and buried at Fort Jackson. She will have be buried at Fort Jackson. So as you go into Fort Jackson and as I began my short message, I told everybody that was there, I said, what did you see when you came through the gates? You saw this huge field of all these tombstones lined up precisely about 18 inches apart in this and just row after row after row. I said, "What, what, what were you thinking Death, death. These people, this is where people are buried. You can't escape it. And I mentioned to them, I said, funerals are one of the best opportunities that you can have to take inventory of your life. Because here's the reality. We're here uh, thinking about Helen Warren, this godly woman, But one day, there are going to be people at our funeral gathered. And so at every funeral, you ought to be thinking, you know, I need to take inventory of my life. Because I'm going to return to dust too. This is everyone's destiny. So the issue is this. First, are we prepared to die? Are we prepared to die and to meet the Lord Jesus on that great day of judgment? I know right in the middle, Jess and his parables, and he's about to talk about that great day of judgment. That's a day in which we're all headed towards, and it doesn't matter if you live to be a hundred years of age. What does it matter to live to a hundred if you don't live your life? for the glory of God. It really doesn't matter. See, that is what was impressed upon me when I was at seminary at 24. I thought, well, I could die here, falling out in the street, getting run over by a vehicle. But if, I, if, if I'm not intent on living my life for the glory of Jesus, it doesn't matter if I be 100. Because what is 100 years? Look, look at what the text says. Verse four, for a thousand years in thy sight are like yesterday when it passes by or like the watch in the night. So what is a thousand years to an eternal God who is outside of time? Nothing, nothing. You know, some of you go to the beach, maybe you've been to the beach or you're going to go to the beach this summer. I'm gonna recommend something to you. And you go out on the beach, I want you to get maybe some sand, and I want to get I want you to see how if you can get all the sand away except for one little grain now that may be tough, but try it and when you get that one little grain of sand, I want you to look down there at that down the beach, look that far down the beach and and this illustration doesn 't do justice to the eternity of God but Our lives are like that little grain of sand in eternity. It's nothing. As 2 Peter 3.8 says, there Peter says, but beloved, do not be ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And it says, the text says, A thousand years is just like a day. In fact, it says it's like a watch in the night. A watch in the night was about three hours. So from from God's perspective, a thousand years is just like three hours. Now three hours, we don't think that's that long. God says, well, you know, just a thousand years just went on by. Even Adam, Seth, Enos, Canaan, Jared, Methuselah, They all lived to be over 900 years of age. But they all died. But they all died eventually. You know, God is the, the scripture affirms that God is the absolute sovereign of the universe. And there, one of my uh, favorite texts to always go to in occasions is Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 46 Nine and ten. And here's what Isaiah 46, nine and ten says. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Declaring the end from the beginning. It's all been mapped out. God says, history has already been determined. And yet, we make choices that impact that. Nonetheless, it's already been determined. And God says, I will have my way in the earth. There is no one who can resist my will, Isaiah says. And so we see here that in in verse five of our text, Israel has been unfaithful and they've been unfaithful to so much of what God had done for them and God is, is sorely disple- displeased with them. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 says that when all of Egypt came out, it says the whole nation was baptized into Moses in the Red Sea. And then later in 1 Corinthians 10 He talks about that most of those who came out never made it to the promised land. They didn't make it because of, as Hebrews three says, because of unbelief, because of the hardness of their heart. Hebrews three brings that out quite clearly. God says, I've done my wonders in providing you in the wilderness. And what did you do? You spurned the Holy Spirit. And I was angry with you. And God says, I swore in my wrath, none of you will make it to the promised land. None of you. And so the majority of those who came out perished, meaning, they were not of the elect of God because Canaan is a symbol in scripture of eternal rest. They, Though they saw the wonders of God, it didn't impact them the way it should have. And they perished. And so what we see here, because God is sovereign, he has the power to dispose of men as he pleases and he will at his Pleasure send them back to dust, and as we look at verse five of our text, we see here that we must understand that we that we live our lives as dying lives, and the, and the text says we got to view ourselves like the morning grass. It says in the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes, but by evening it fades and it withers. And and, and so he says, this is your life. This is your life, like the flower, that flourishes for a time, it's beautiful, but it's soon gone you know i like flowers i didn't have a green thumb like my father whose yard as i was growing up was magnificent with flowers but from time to time occasionally i'll get some cut flowers and we'll we'll put them up next to our our breakfast table so we can look at and i like looking at flowers and i also don't mind to see after about a week they start going like this right the beauty starts going away. And before you know it, it's just, it it doesn't look quite the same. And every time I have that cut flowers, I think of Psalm 90. That's my life. Here for a while, soon gone away. You know, it's, uh, I can remember My mom, my mother will live to be 90 years of age. She didn't become a Christian until she was 84. But I remember my mom saying, she said, John, when I was growing up as a teenager, she said, I will never grow old. I said, Mama, you was was wrong, Mama. (laughs) Because it's going to happen sooner or later. And now at 84, she was talking about how she would never get old. Well, the thing about it here is, you know, verse five says about our lives, that this grass that grows up, this flower that's so beautiful. And by the way, you know, the scripture also gives this illustration. James says, your life is like a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. So the next time you're cooking and your ladies during lunch hour, if you're gonna cook something, And if there's steam, I want you to think of this sermon this morning. When you see that vapor go up, you see it and then it's gone, right? It doesn't take long for it to disappear. That's your life. That's my life, that's your life. And so we see here, verse five talks about the transience, the, the shortness of life and it gives this imagery of a flood, a flood that carries people along downstream into eternity. That's the imagery here. And perhaps you've seen, you've seen a flood, a flash flood, or perhaps in 2004, you remember that, that earthquake in uh, Asia that created this tsunami and there was a movie made about this, this coming ashore and just the devastation. It just carries everything away. That, that water just takes everything with it. That tsunami killed 300,000 people by the way. Swept away just like that. And so we see here that it's, we're here today and gone tomorrow. We just don't know how long we'll have. Now, just I mentioned how 47 years ago, when I was a student, that passed away. I, I remember over 50 years ago, when I was 16. Now, I was an unbeliever then, but I, you know, I was a tennis player. I've told you that many times. But I was a basketball player, and I used to go over to my neighbor's dirt court to play. And I remember. For whatever reason, as I was shooting that ball and I was doing twists and I was doing everything, it occurred to me, I'm not always going to be able to do this. I'm going to remember being 16. And right now, I can picture in my mind the red and white parka I had on. I remember just how the sun was setting over the house at sunset. I remember that image vividly as if I was there over 50 years ago. And I remember leaving and hurtling the, the hedge, going over there, I'm not always gonna be like this. And I had a, a glimpse of eternity, and And I'm telling you, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a believer at that time, but I had an opportunity to see, life is not always gonna be what we think. Time moves on. You know, there's a wise saying, uh, for older men who like sports. The saying is, don't play like you were once 21. <laughs> and, and and you know what I mean. For those of you that are older, you know that exactly what we mean because you're not the same. Time takes its ravages upon us. And though we see here, verse 7 says the context of, of Moses' prayer here is that Israel, as I've said, is under God's great displeasure. And it says as soon as we are born, we begin to we begin to die. When I was in seminary, I told my, my fellow student, I said, Ed, I've got our epiphany. We were painting a house. I got an epiphany. He said, what's that, John? I said, we were born to die. He said, That's real encouraging, John. That's what, but Ed, it's it's true. And it is true. We were born, and the minute we we're born we are born, we begin. I mean, we'll mature, but the, the process begins eventually to take us away like a flood into eternity. You know, and, and men as the scripture says here, they're like they're asleep. They're they're not aware, oftentimes, they don't think about their frailty, and they don't often think about their mortality. And one thing is certain, you know, every time, if I'm on the internet, you see it all the time. You see some former head of state, older in age, dies. You see some movie star been around for 30, 40, 50 years, dies. You see some man of great wealth, dies. And I keep thinking, you know what? Death is the great equalizer. I don't care how famous, I don't care if you're a president of the United States, I don't care if you are Bezos, or Elon Musk, or those who have billions and billions of dollars, death is the equalizer. And it doesn't matter what you had. It doesn't matter what position you had. And here's the reality. No matter who you are, you're headed towards eternity. You're headed to that day of judgment, because the scripture says in Hebrews 9.27, it has been appointed to man once to die, but after that, the judgment. Judgment day is coming. Paul, when he was in the great city of Athens, arguing with the uh, philosophers, the, the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, who didn't believe in a resurrection from the dead, by the way, neither of them. Paul preached, and he says, God has appointed a day by which he will judge all men by this one man whom he raised from the dead. Now, remember, you've got to remember the audience who he's preaching to. They didn't believe in a resurrection. Did that stop Paul? Did he go and say, oh, okay, I'm sorry, you don't believe in a resurrection, so I guess I'll change my message. No, he says you need to repent because God is going to judge you Through Jesus, whom he did rise from the dead, whether you believe it or not. But that's where you're headed. It's where we're all headed. Mortal man, we need to take heed. And we're being carried downstream, as the scripture says, like a stream into eternity. You always need to keep this eternal perspective. I call Psalm 90. If I, if I had a term, phrase, I'd call it the eternal perspective. We all have to have the eternal perspective. I mentioned earlier that it doesn't matter how much uh, money that you have. You know, Jesus taught a parable, the parable of the rich fool. <clears throat> this man was, was very uh, rich in his crops So rich, he says, I got so much produce. I I, I don't have enough barns. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear some down, build some more barns, and then I'll just take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And what does God says? You fool! Tonight, your soul will be required of you. Then whose things shall these belong to? He took no notice that at any moment, he would be taken and he was taken. And then it says, well, all this, guess who, it's it's not yours anymore. It's not yours. The fool lives in the present. The wise man lives in light of eternity. And as a preacher, one of my primary duties as a preacher is to tell people the truth, whether they, they like it or not. You know, Ezekiel 3.19 says, really with regard to Ezekiel as a preacher, he says, but if you, if you warn the wicked man to turn from his ways and he does not do so, he will die for his sin but you will have saved yourself. See, all a preacher can do, any preacher can do, our task is to preach the word of God. And we we leave the results to God. The, The true changer of men's hearts is the Holy Spirit. I can't change a heart, but the Holy Spirit can. And... And so we, 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 we got to tell men, you got you to gotta live in light of eternity. You don't know when God's going to require your soul. So you need to make the most of it. He says, <clears throat> well, I, I can remember when I was in Corpus Christi in the mission work down there years ago. A, man, a young man came to the door, Kirby vacuum salesman. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll clean your carpet for free if you let me demonstrate it. I let him in. I didn't tell him later, I already had a Kirby. <laughs> They're wonderful, I mean they, they last, I'm hesitant to say forever, <laughs> but they last a long time. And I just wanted to have an opportunity to talk with a young man And we got talking, and uh, I said, will you go to church anywhere? And he says, well, you know, I used to. I need to get back going. Turns out he was a Romanist, like many in in South Texas. And he says, yeah, I need to get back. But, you know, he made the comment, but I'm trying, I'm trying hard, and I'm better than some. I I said, hold on right there. I went into my office. I said, I came out and I, my Bible was actually open to this text. James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet offends in one point is guilty of them all. I come back, I'm gonna call him Harry because I don't remember his name. I said, Harry, I got some good news and I got some bad news. I said, now the bad news is God doesn't jo- uh, judge us by Fred or Sally down the street. That's not the, the gauge by which God judges us. He gauges us according to his holy law to which we have offended. And when you break one, you've broken them all. I said, that's bad news, Harry. But I said, there's some good news. It doesn't have to end bad. It says the, the good news is there's a way to have all that taken care of by the work of Jesus. So I shared the gospel with him. Now, he didn't confess, profess then But I hope he went away understanding that judgment day is not going to be how we stack up against our neighbor. It's going to be where we are against a holy God. And you know quite well, we have to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus if we're going to make it. Verse nine of our text says, all our days have declined in thy fury. We have finished our years as a sigh. Now, I want you to look at me here for a second. All our years are finished like, (sighs) now, what did I just do? (sighs) That's a sigh. That is your life. That is my life. And if you're 100 years, and if you're 80 years, that's your life. It's over. It, 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 time with God is nothing. And as you, those of us that are older, we, like I've said, the other day when my oldest 42-year-old son said, Dad, you know, I can remember back, you know, 15 years ago, it's like yesterday I said, Jason, what that means is you're getting old. <laughs> when you think back 20 years ago, what it was like that it was gone just like that. Now you understand. You know, the point here is, brethren, we must not fritter our lives away. Scripture talks about the days are evil and we work to redeem the time. We are always to redeem the time. We're always to make the most of the time every day because God doesn't guarantee us there's gonna be a tomorrow, does he? He doesn't because you don't know when he's gonna require your soul. So, now, for those of you that that love Jesus, you know where you're going to be, but you, you don't wanna waste time. We don't wanna waste our time. And, you know, the scripture says in our text, what is the typical life? The typical life is 70 years. And I realized, well, I just exceeded that last month by one year. (laughs) I'm already there. And they said, now, if you're really doing good, 80 years. So if you're 80 years of age and older, man, you're really doing good. But like I said, I was, um, It passes so quickly. Now, I think some of you have prayed for me, you know, about three weeks ago. I I don't know how I strained something in my hamstring and buttocks, but it was so bad. I was out of commission for a week. I mean, I was in bad shape. And our dear sister uh, here helped me to see someone that helped her. And uh, praise God, within a week, I was completely healed. It was kind of amazing, but... but I remember I was in that uh, the um, sports medicine first and I, there was one young lady, probably in her twenties, who said she was doing the, a deep massage, and I said uh, she was yeah she's in her twenties I think. I said yeah I just a week ago I turned seventy one and I'm just starting to fall apart. She says, "Sir, if you're just now falling apart at seventy one, you've done pretty good because I got thirty year olds who tell me they're falling apart." <laughs> But I'm on the mend, but God says, you're still 71, John, just don't forget that. You know, just recently, three weeks ago, had the opportunity to go preach in my hometown, Fort Tennessee, to one of our churches that are, is in our new denomination, and go up to and preach at Trinity in Virginia. And the last time uh, I was at Breadwell Heights Presbyterian Church, I remember when I got the pulpit, I told everybody, I said, you know, I'm a hometown boy. I was born and raised here in Kingsport. Went to East Tennessee State here in Johnson City. And I said, the last time and the only time I've preached in this pulpit, 41 years ago, 41 years ago. We were living in Johnson City. My wife was expecting our second son. I was scheduled to preach at fill in preaching at Bridwell Heights, and she went in the hospital. Our son Brian was born so fast and at 7 a.m. and came so fast, when he was born, my wife said, well, John, you can still make it to preaching. I go, all right. <laughs> and I went off to preach at Bridwell Heights. So I told everybody the last time I was here was 41 years ago, I cannot believe 41 years has passed like this. I had someone in the congregation later said, John, I was there. I heard you preach 41 years ago. I remember that day. Like that, just like that, gone 41 years. You know, verse 11 of our text says that we are to stand in awe of the anger of God. Who knows the power of God's anger? Well, one thing is for sure. The anger of God is the most terrifying force in the universe. And it is a terrifying thing to face the living God and not know him. You know, at, at any moment, just like the rich fool who thought he was going to enjoy all those Things he'd stored up, he had no idea that God was going to acquire his soul, but he did. The text says we need to stand in awe of God's wrath. There needs to be a holy awe or fear of God and his judgment in the sense that we don't know when he's going to take us. And Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty eight, he says, do not fear those who can kill only the body, but not the soul. But fear him who can kill both the body and the soul in hell. You do not want to go to hell. Hell is a place, Jesus says, is where there's gnashing of teeth, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. And when I was preaching at the, my wife's Aunt Helen's funeral in April, I knew there were some unbelievers, I thought, in the small group. And I, I was just urging people, says, do not leave this world without Jesus. Please do not leave this world without Jesus. <clears throat> so our text says, verse 12, so... Now, that word so means it's, it's bringing everything that it's been saying up to this point. It says, therefore, or so, teach us to number our days so that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. Now, teaching to number your days means you remember you are mortal You are dust. Your life is but like a vapor. It's like the flower. That is teaching to number your days. And how do we present uh, to God a heart of wisdom? You remember the eternity of God and the brevity of life. That's one thing in being wise. You just know that it's short. Make the most of the time that God has given you. A heart of wisdom, then, is to have the eternal perspective. A heart of wisdom means to be determined to live for the glory of God. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, In everything we do, we are to do for the glory of God. That should be all of our mottos every day of our life. Every day we ought to get up and say, Well, how, how can I glorify the Lord today? Because it could be my last day. It could be. So how am I going to glorify him today? That's presenting a heart of wisdom. You know, first Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty says What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. We realize we don't belong to ourselves. Now, you know, that that, that takes a lot away from us. Because let's admit it. Are we not all basically self-centered? <laughs> we really are. And so we have that tendency to think of ourselves and, and, and what... All the ways that we focus on ourselves. And what does the scripture says? You don't belong to yourself. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. And you got to watch how you use your body. Don't ever do anything with your body that would dishonor the Lord Jesus. You don't own yourself. You are a slave to Jesus, the scripture says in Romans 6. So for the, last 10, uh, for the last 10 years or so I've been very conscious of what remaining time I have left, and I, I've done some inventory, and I said, "You know, I, you know it could be only 15, 16 years." And I remember how the last 15 years went by just like that. And so I, I have a renewed interest. Lord, I want to be sure that I'm living my life for your glory. 50 years ago, when I was 21, at East Tennessee State University, I used to go out and pray. At night, I like to go out and pray because I like to see the stars, the immensity of God. And I would walk praying. And and so I've tell, I'm now telling you it was 50 years ago. But that I can I can tell you what the street looked like. I can tell you what the stars sort of looked like. And here was my prayer as a 21-year-old, Now I was a Christian. I said, Lord, I don't know what you have in store for me. I said, I don't want to get to the end of my life or the golden years. And you know what I was thinking at the time what the golden years were? What I'm old right now. <laughs> That's what I thought were the golden years. 70 years of age. I don't want to get to that and, and, and look back with regret. I don't want to do that. I said, Lord, whatever you do, I want to live my life for the glory of Jesus. Will you help me? That's my desire, Lord. 50 years ago, that was my prayer. And I keep being mindful, as I said, of that because you never know when it will all end. There's a preacher once told this story about a, a a, um, a teenage girl, sixteen years old. She went to go visit her grandmother. She was a she was a beautiful girl on the outside, but more importantly, she was beautiful on the inside because she loved Jesus. She wanted to spend time with her her grandmother. Her grandmother said, you know, we had a wonderful day. We talked about life. She talked about her aspirations. She talked about she looked forward to getting married one day and having children. And we we had a wonderful time. She gets in the car, goes down the driveway, goes down the intersection, and here comes a back truck, (laughs) sends that 16-year-old godly young lady into eternity. Now, do you think she thought when she was talking to her grandmother that was within an hour she would be with Jesus? I doubt it. You never know. You never know. So what are my final words to y'all, brethren? Remember that your butt dust. And it doesn't matter how long you live, that's nothing in the span of eternity. And you don't know when the Lord will require your soul. So determine from this day forward, I'm going to make the most of my time. I'm not going to waste time. And I'm going to glorify Jesus. And Lord, help me glorify Jesus every day. Let's pray. Lord, we need to ask for your forgiveness because we have flittered away time. We haven't lived in light of eternity. We 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 somehow have thought that we've got all the time in the world and when we really we may not. Help your people here, Lord. Teach us the eternal perspective that we might glorify Jesus. We beg of you in his precious name. Amen.